This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 193 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. And I swear we should be at 200 already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because we do all those extra bonus episodes that don't get counted in this number. No, I know. Well, hey everybody, hope you guys are hanging in there and doing fine and being safe. I literally think... That we put out more content as far as episodes than almost anybody. I mean, I don't like Tony from Real Girl Stories Online. They mm-hmm. put out episode oh, every put, day. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, Darren Marlar, he puts out an episode literally every day. But between, we've got five episodes now that come out a week. And then we've got six bonus shorts that we do on Patreon every week. And then we've got two bonus episodes that come out uh, bi-monthly, so there's a bunch there. Well, that is a bunch, but so, we're happy to do it. Oh, okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> just playing. <laughs> <laughs> we are more than happy to do it, let me tell you. Real big, uh, I should have done this last week, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. This week, SasquatchJoes.com. You should go check them out. They have all of your Sasquatch like shirts and uh, different types of mugs and all that stuff. And it, and it's stuff that you don't see anywhere else. They, it really is some top-notch stuff. And we love it. And they sent us a couple of shirts. I put one of them on, not realizing it was a woman's shirt. <laughs> I immediately took it right off. Oh, that's so cute with your little <laughs> V-neck. But, well, but Tracy wore the men's shirt. And that's the only one left. <laughs> And then uh, we got a mug, and I, sp- I posted some pictures of two of the three things we got. I didn't post a woman's shirt yet, because yeah. I wasn't going to post it with me wearing it. Wow. You're as feminine as they come. Whatever. Anyways, I just want to say thank you to them, and go check them out, SasquatchJoes.com. Did you tell them about the yeast infection you had? I did not. Uh-huh. I did not. But I was going to scrape it off and use it to make beer. <laughs> but I didn't have any hops and barley, so. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right before we get any further in big thank you to all of our military civil servants special thank you to everybody that's on the front line of the coronavirus right now that includes truck drivers that includes all of our medical personnel first responders you guys and gals are the true heroes today oh my goodness you are i i'm so proud of every one of you guys and I've said it before, you're angels on this earth. I don't know how you're doing it. I mean, I don't know how you're doing it. I just don't. But so. we just want to say thank you, guys. We are praying for you all every single day. Let's get this shit out of here so we can get back to our lives and our families. Sounds good. Yes. All right. And then, like I said, obviously, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times last couple of episodes, and then I heard actually an, an episode of, uh, you know how they do like the news in between mm-hmm. radio shows and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. up on the hour of the mm-hmm. do, and there was a, a health professional on there, a mental health professional actually talking about the same thing that we had brought up was how hard this can be on people that were already struggling in everyday life. And just to make sure you're checking up on your friends and neighbors. Absolutely. And and just let them know you're there for them if they need to talk. Because if, if ever somebody needed to talk, these are probably the times. Yeah, definitely are. And, you know, we're all here for you guys. Yeah. So if you got to push yourself a little bit on somebody to, to get them to talk, you know who those friends and family members are that you need to work a little bit harder to get to come mm-hmm. out of the shell. Mm-hmm. So do that. And uh but we just want to say a big thank you, and we love everybody. And, you know, if you want to talk, we're here. Uh, just got an awesome message on Instagram earlier from somebody that was very appreciative of the messages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes us feel good 
And as I told her, to be honest with you, this doing the show, even though it's something we choose to do, can be a grind at times. It can be uh, exhausting in some points. But at the same time, when we get messages like that, that is why we do the show. Yep, absolutely. So if it helps one person a month, it's well worth any amount of the time and effort we put into it. And that's the way we honestly feel. Yep, that's because we love you all. Absolutely. You are our best friends and family members now. You're stuck with us. Yep, you're stuck with us. So let's, uh, and obviously the suicide hotline, because we didn't give that, 1-800-273-8255. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741. And always remember, we have the Facebook group you can jump on. And uh, we're going to put this episode out a little bit early. So if you guys hear this um, beforehand, because I'm going to put it out probably around 4 o'clock Eastern time. If you hear that, we will be going Facebook Live at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. So three hours from the time this comes out will be Facebook Live. You can go to the Facebook group or the regular Facebook page. And uh, if you don't see it there, just wait. It'll it'll pop up there and you'll be able to just click on it and come to us. And we'll probably screw up a bunch of stuff. It's our first time trying this. And, <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, join us. It's just going to be a question and answer thing. It's nothing, nothing formal. Probably last 15, 20 minutes. Just enough for us to get our feet wet and make sure everything works okay. And in the future, if it works out, we'll have some special guests and stuff like that join us. Because that's why we're not just going like straight with the, from the phone or something. We've actually got a, uh, an app that allows us to play videos, if I can figure out how to do that. And it allows us to have special guests on and split screens and all that. So it would be really cool. We're looking forward to bringing you even more content. Yeah, it'd be fun. And it's going to help us because we did have uh, a really great friend of ours pass away unexpectedly. And... Um, breaking up are you yes yeah there's a, a friend of mine connell demas he's been to a live event that we did here he worked for me i hired him worked with him every day for two years and a really good friend of ours just became you know he obviously was way more than a co-worker and um, he was somebody that I had a close bond with because we he liked the same type of things we did. The office was a big thing that I would make jokes about the office and he was the only one that would get it because nobody else watched it. Same thing with Seinfeld. We liked the same kind of music. He was fascinated by the paranormal. So he'd listen to the show and he'd always pick my brain on stuff. And, <clears> you know, so it was just, it was unexpected. He just turned 41 a couple of weeks ago and he had a an ulcer in his stomach that burst while he was sleeping. And, um, they didn't make it through the night, unfortunately. So didn't no chance to even try to survive. They just he just didn't wake up that morning, and that was the uh, day before yesterday. Yeah, and uh, I hadn't mentioned it anywhere on Facebook or anything like that. But it's uh, it's been a rough couple of days trying to obviously adjust to that. And yeah, so you guys are helping us, and you don't know it. So we hope you guys watch the show tonight, and we'll have a little fun. Yeah, have some questions ready for us. Yeah, that'd be great. And it's a tell-all, so if you want to know what color Tracy's real hair is or something. I don't know. We, <laughs> I don't know myself. <laughs> All right. This is taking a little longer to get into, but we had a couple of things we wanted to cover before we got into the story. So, All right. Haunted Hollywood. And let me, let me preface this by saying that I know we've done a few Hollywood hauntings before. And I'm not going to lie to you. We're at the point where sometimes I forget what we've actually covered and what we haven't. And I say that because between all the episodes on Patreon and these episodes, we're approaching a thousand episodes. And I I will see a story sometimes and be like, I'm pretty sure we covered that. (laughs) But I don't know if it was a short that most people didn't hear. I don't know if it was on one of the regular bonuses or if it was something we touched on here. Mm -hmm. And I can't always go back and look at the names of the episodes because sometimes it doesn't tell everything that we covered. Okay. So if we, I tried to go out, if if something looked like we had covered it, I left it out. But with that being said, these will probably be some stories that most of you haven't heard. So that's, that's the bonus that we got here. All right. We did Elkie Summer. You remember we did Elkie Summer? Elkie. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got an, uh, an episode coming up in the future. I don't know if it'll be a full episode or one of the Wednesdays, but it's another Hollywood star haunting 
that involves uh, Sharon Tate. Ooh. And it's not the Charles Manson, Manson one. It's actually before that. Oh, gosh. So it's going to be a really cool story, and, and I can't wait to do that. So tonight I wanted to focus on two subjects that we, I don't know that we have touched on. We're going to talk about haunted studios. They're in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about some haunted theaters, because I thought it'd be an easy transition. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. The first studio we're going to talk about is called Occidental Studio. And we're going to start off with this one because it's the oldest working soundstage in all of Hollywood. Thousands of actors and actresses worked here during the silent film heydays. How cool. It's infamous stage one has a huge glass ceiling, which... Yeah, it's a completely glass ceiling, and everybody, as far as the movie people, loved it back then because they could shoot the films and use all that natural light instead mm-hmm. of having to have all the fake lighting back then. Stars such as Charlie Chaplin, uh, Douglas Fairbanks, Mary Pickford, they all were on this stage on a regular basis back when, when they were the most popular. There's also been people who have died on the set. One in particular was a man who was working 24 hours, literally. He had been working for 24 hours. People left. They went home. Not him. And when they came back the next day, they found out that he was dead. What was he doing? Like maintenance stuff? I I have no idea. It just said that he was working for 24 hours straight. So it could have been anything. So there's been a few incidents that happened here at the Occident that caused people to start calling the studio... Accidental Studio instead of Occidental. That's kind of a weird name, Occidental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would think that would be like uh, a dentist for farm animals. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the workers there will tell you that they believe the studio's haunted. And this is just a for various reasons but one of the things that is most common is they say that you just have a very weird feeling there when you're by yourself oh i can imagine constantly like you're being watched or constantly like you shouldn't be there so they've got several problems with the alarm system there even though it's been checked several times by the alarm company it seems to always malfunction and what i mean by that is They'll have an incident like, you know how it is when you leave a place, you set the alarm, right? Yeah. Well, with theirs, they'll set it and go to set it and it'll say, hey, this zone has a door open or this zone has a window open. And every time they go out and look, there's never, and it's always different zones. It's never the same one. Oh, crap. That would be annoying. After the, the guy who runs the place said after about three times, he just says to hell with it. And he just shuts the place down without the, you know. Figuring out what the problem is. Yeah, without figuring out what the problem is. So they had people come out and check it. And they've, on several different occasions, the alarm companies came out and they said there's absolutely nothing wrong with the alarm system. So they have no idea why it's doing that. The employees say that they start hearing strange noises at nighttime. Like when everybody leaves, the place they said is eerily quiet, which is fine. Except they start hearing noises that sound like somebody banging a pipe against something. Mm, and that's not fine. Yeah, and they have no <laughs> idea where that could possibly going, be going to from. Because a lot of times there's one, one or two of them there and they're together. Mm-hmm. So they know it's not somebody else. They said one night they were all sitting outside. It was about 2 a.m. And they're sitting outside. And they're whatever reason, they bring up the ghosts. And they're joking about it. And, you know, it's it's like, you know, just like the Ghostbusters. We ain't afraid of no ghosts. And yeah. All this stuff. And they're making fun. And they said there was a door that was propped open, you know, for them mm-hmm. to get back and forth in. And they said, right about the time they were talking about, you, them ghosts can't scare us and all that. And they were kind of like shouting at the building, just trying to be playful. And the door slammed. Whatever was holding it open just stopped and slammed. And they said that has never happened before. Whatever they were using to prop the door, they'd never had that happen. Oh, my gosh. So then they said they just started beginning, you know, kind of yelling at the place. They were like, okay, we got it. We get the picture. <laughs> then they said that's that's kind of been it. But most of the encounters there had just been strange noises uh-huh. and slamming doors. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. There was, though, one time that was down a hallway. And there was a man that was trying to sleep. And he was sitting in a, a chair that was right outside one of the office doors. And for whatever reason, the office door kept opening and closing and opening and closing. And there was nobody there. 
It's just open and close, open and close. And he got so frustrated, he just got up and went to a different chair and went to sleep. So he didn't even bother trying to figure out what what the deal was. But it was obvious that he wasn't going to be able to stop it. So <laughs> That's pretty funny. They just got up and walked to another chair. I would have been freaking out. What they started doing to try to make peace is the, the crew says that before they leave every night, whoever the last one out, they always just kind of... Look at the stage area, and they say, hey, thank you, ghosts. Good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for letting us be okay. Oh. And that's how they end every night. No kidding. Yep. So does things keep happening still? Yeah. Or oh, they, yeah. they do, but yeah, it's, they it's feel still, okay. It's, yeah, it's still haunted. They just feel okay about it. Well, that's good. So, all right. The next studio is a place called Raleigh Studios. And in the 1930s, there was a lighting man who fell from the grip area, which is up 25, 30 feet, and he fell from that area on stage five and was killed. And the legend ever since is that he haunts the place. Employees say that they've had very many ghostly experiences here at this location, especially in Studio 5. One had an incident where he said that he felt like somebody just walked through his body. (sighs) He said there was no doors or windows open, no breezes of any kind, nobody else even around when this happened. He said he can only describe it as a force that passed through his body. Man, I wonder what that feels like. Would you want that to happen to you? Just to say you've experienced it? Yeah, why not? I know, I kind of feel that way too. He also said that earlier there was a man, you know, we talked about the man that was killed. Yes, yeah. That fell off the Uh thing. Mm -hmm. Well... In the early 2000s, there was another man. He fell 20 feet from above the grip grip area, just like the other guy. But before he hit the ground, he was stopped in midair and floated down. (gasps) This was seen by several witnesses. They all, matter of fact, they all rushed over to him to make sure he was okay. And the man that fell, he said that he felt like that somebody caught him. So it's the guy that fell before, I bet. Probably. But he said it felt like somebody just caught him and laid him down. (sighs) Oh. Gosh, he, he he's had, lucky. He had no injuries whatsoever from a 20-foot fall. Wow. Now, behind stage five in the hallway, there's this transparent lady in white who's often seen back and forth. Nobody's really sure who she is, but they assume that she's somebody from the 20s or the 30s. Because most of these movie studios, by the way, were all built like in the early 1900s. They were all built almost all at the same time. Uh-huh. So... That's the Raleigh studio that I had never heard of. And that's no. spelled, that's spelled Raleigh just like Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, Sir Raleigh? Raleigh, yeah. Now, is it Raleigh? Or you're saying Raleigh. Well, it's, everybody pronounces it different. That's why I'm telling you how it's spelled. Oh. So everybody's going to say it different. It's Raleigh. Well, Get it right. Some people say Raleigh. Some people say Raleigh. And it should be Raleigh. And I thought that's what I said. But apparently my accent is making it sound different. True story. Just like when you say supposedly and put a B in there instead of a D. Supposedly? It's supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. Oh. I didn't even know I said it like that. <laughs> well, that's probably your accent. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> here's one that you'll know of. Paramount Studios. Mm-hmm. Now, Paramount is actually built on the same property as the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Did you know that? No, I did not. So it's like you've got the cemetery, and on one part, there's one wall that is part of Paramount Studio. It's mm-hmm. like their window wall where they can actually, they got windows and stuff where you can actually look out onto the cemetery. Now, it's believed to be haunted by a lot of big names. Rudolph Valentino, uh, Cecil B. DeVille, uh, Douglas Fairbanks, just to name a couple that were huge back then. Cecil B. DeVille was huge back then. I mean, he just, you'll you'll hear his name come up a couple of times through the stuff we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen anything with him. I think most of his stuff was silent film. Uh, But he apparently was a bigwig because he owned studios and everything else. Anyway, so I got this one story from the studio. So it's not a bunch of stuff, but the one I got is pretty good. So there, there's this, just like most studios, they've got a place up on the second level mm-hmm. where they have keep all the props. Right. Now, this is a giant room, and they keep all the props numbered. That way, if you need, you know, a lamp and it's number 304, you know yeah. exactly where that lamp is. You just find it on the sheet. Go to 304, there's the lamp. Oh, cool. Well, what happened was 
they would come in the morning and everything in the room was like out of place and right gathered in the middle of the room. It was like everything was in the middle of the room and all the the uh, walls and stuff of wherever they were storing stuff was all empty. Everything had been pushed to the middle. What the heck? So the guy that's in charge, he's like, okay, somebody's playing a prank on me. It's not funny because it was a lot of work to put all that well, stuff Well, I was going to say, I bet it did take a lot of work. And this happened a couple of times. <laughs> now he's fed up with it. Yeah. So he, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why there, I didn't see anything that said they had cameras or anything there. So he tells two guys to stay overnight so they can see what the hell's going on. These guys fall asleep. They wake up to the sound of scooting and scratching. So they get up, they go to the room. The room's got a light on. It's a work light on. So they can see, and they can see this furniture physically moving on its own towards the middle of the room. Okay, they crapped their pants, and then what happened? <laughs> the next day, they obviously, you know, they tell the guy what was seen. I don't know if they, they might, they might have called him on the spot. I don't know. But they see what was going on. They tell him. And after that, it happened a few more times, and then it just quit, and it's never happened again. <laughs> Unless those two guys were in on the prank. I can't imagine that. But That's too much dang work to put I all would, that stuff back I and would. forth. If, if he made me stay the night when I wouldn't normally there, I'd be like, well, I'm going to get my money's worth. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, that was the, that's the only story I got from there, but that's a cool story. Uh-huh. So, anyway, I thought that was interesting. All right, next one is Culver Studios. Not to be confused with the restaurant, who has some of the best butter burgers. Oh, and the best ice cream. Yeah, because they, they got that frozen custard. Mm. We should go get some of that. We should. See, I was it was a test. I know. We shouldn't be leaving the house and you were ready to go do it. I'm so down for some ice cream. <laughs> custard. They get custard. Mad, they get mad when you call it ice cream. Oh, well, custard. It's all the same stuff to me. <clears throat> me too. Creamy, it's good. All right. Culver Studios. This was built in 1917. And Cecil B. DeMille, I was talking about, he comes up and all that stuff. He took over the studio at the original owner, which was by the name of Thomas Entz, passed away. He passed away on a, on a boat, like a yacht. He was on a yacht when he passed away, the wow. owner, the original owner. Anyways, this is the studio that did the original King Kong and Citizen Kane. I'd oh. never heard of Culver Studio. And you got two of the biggest movies at the time. Well, <laughs> Citizen Kane's listed as the... I don't think it is, but it was listed as the best movie of all time by a mm-hmm. lot of different accounts. That's but true. Orson Welles was in that. Yeah. Anyways, there have been several deaths at this studio. And by the way, for the record, there have been several deaths at almost every one of these studios. I mean, they've been around for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. you got people, like you said, lighting people that are up high. You've got just, in general, people who, you know, they might have just passed away while the movie was being made or something because they had poor health or something. Yeah. Especially back in the 20s and the 30s when medical care wasn't as good as what it is. I mean, all they had to do was, like, they didn't even have to talk. Well, not in the silent movies. I know. <laughs> so, we're going to get a... What are they stressing over? We're going to get... We're gonna, I can't remember my lines. It's because you don't have any. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. What do, those, what do the scripts look like? It's just blank pages. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be blank pages, obviously. It'd be like, okay, you walk to this door. Now you walk to this other one. You're going to look at her funny and make a funny face and do a whole lot of winking and stuff. But that's all they did in those silent movies. They make a lot of winking. Anyways. <laughs> so this is, like I said, it, it's got a lot of famous stuff, but there's also been a lot of people who died at the studio. One of the workers here had a similar experience as the employee at the, at the Raleigh Theater that we talked about earlier, or studio, I should say. He was walking down a hallway, and he said it was daytime. Which I guess he felt like things like this wouldn't happen in a day, but that's what made this story stand out is it was daytime. And he said he felt like somebody walked right through him. And it's so completely different studio, different time. Mm-hmm. And you got somebody with a similar experience. He said he also saw a full body apparition from a man that had a fedora on and a jacket. He walked right through a door into an office. <laughs> Dang. So that's all I've got on on the studios. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm, there, there are probably some other ones. I just, I wanted to have time to be able to do some theaters as well. So let's make that easy transition from the studios to the theaters. Cause once you make the movie, it's gotta be played somewhere. The Vogue theater in Hollywood is, is right there on Hollywood Boulevard. It was vacant for years. 
And in the 1990s, Dr. Larry Montz and his paranormal team decided that they needed a new office. And they were walking down Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> My lip didn't open. <laughs> you need to leave that on there. <laughs> Fine. Anyways, so that's what happens when half of your face is paralyzed and, <laughs> and half of your lip doesn't want to move. That happens. So, <laughs> Sorry, honey. Let me get a little lubrication there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyways, they're, they're walking down. It was him and one of his associates. Uh, Danny, I believe is how her name is pronounced. It's spelled very funny, but I think it's Danny. So they're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and they see the Vogue and they're like, hey, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. It was vacant. It was uh, open. So they they were looking for a location anyway. He's uh, Dr. Montz started this back in, in 1972, his team. And it's actually called the... Uh, International Society for Paranormal Research. He started back in 1972 because he wanted to bring all these different parapsychologists from all over the world together to see if they could figure out some of this paranormal phenomenon, what was going on, and get all these great minds together, basically, from all over, and let's just see what we can come up with. But they needed an office in L.A., and that's when they found the Vogue Theater. There was an investigator he worked that worked from which was uh, Danny. I think her name is Danny. It's D A N E. So I hadn't seen that name before. It could be Dane. It could be. So I'll spell it out, and people can criticize me or tell me later. Anyway, but her name we're going to say it's D- Danny Smaller, and she's part of the the ISPR. She she made a joke that it's probably haunted too. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. So she she was <laughs> she was she was dead on. I'm sorry. That's probably a poor choice where she was spot on. There you go. Let's not use dead on when we're talking about hauntings. All right. She goes in. She's checking the place out. She walks down. There's just picture you're in a theater. you got a center aisle and you got seats on both sides. And she goes down. She's just looking, just admiring. She's not really looking for anything specific. She's mm-hmm. just like, hey, it's her first time in there. She walks all the way to the stage area. She turns around and comes back. And what catches her attention is that some of the seats are down. And she's like... Oh, they're the kind of seats that you have to yeah, sit in to make go down? Yeah, the seats are folded up and you got okay. to fold it down to sit. Okay. Like in most movie theaters today. Yeah. And she's like, maybe I just missed it, but I thought all the seats were up when I walked down. So she counts how many seats are open on each side or mm-hmm. are, are sitting down. Mm-hmm. And she comes up with like 13 on one side and like 17 on the other side. And when she gets to the end, she decides it again. So she walks back down and she comes back up and it's a different number of seats. So now some of the ones that were up are down and some of the ones that were down are up. Uh-huh. And it's a different number. And she did this three or four times. And every time she did it, it was a different count. Oh, gosh. So somebody was doing this as she was walking up and down the aisles. So they decided to check on the location they were at, do a little research. Now, they didn't find anything about the Vogue Theater, per se, that said that it would be haunted. What they did find out, though, was that there used to be a school, a little uh, elementary school named Prospect Elementary, that was on the same premises. And in 1901, there was a fire at the school, and a teacher and six children died on the fire that, oh, were, that was on the exact same hmm. location. Sad. So the ISPR said that in the two and a half years that they originally had the building, this was two and a half years later, that they had documented seven ghosts or spirits that were, in fact, inhabiting the building. One of them was a teacher named Miss Elizabeth, and four of them were children. There's also one that was a projectionist, and the other was a maintenance man. I don't have any stories about the maintenance man, but they do believe it was the children who were flipping the seats on Mm -hmm. the initial visit, because that would be a fun thing to do. Now, Larry Montz said that he was going to have some work done to the place, because when they moved in, it wasn't in perfect condition. So he has some people, some contractors come in to give him some estimates. He said there's this one guy comes down. He's downstairs. And the guy comes from upstairs, running down. He's like, he's like, you were just upstairs, right? And he's like, no, I've been down here the whole time. He's like, no, you were upstairs 
right behind me in the projection room. And he's like, no, I, I promise you, I was not. Oh, my gosh. And, he, and the guy said, well, then you have a ghost. <laughs> and I'm not interested in working here. And he left. Oh, <laughs> Well, that was didn't take him no time at all. Yeah, so they, they found out, they went through and did a little research, and they found out that there was a projectionist in the 1930s named Fritz who died of a heart attack in a projection room while a movie was being played. <gasps> oh, my god! But they didn't find this out until afterwards. Until after the movie was over. Yep. No, I mean, they didn't find out until after that guy said he saw somebody in a projection room. Oh, well, they probably didn't find out until after the movie. Yeah. Started. Gosh darn, that's point. terrible. The movie didn't skip a beat, huh? Nope. Guess not. So then Danny said that she's never gotten a good look at Fritz, the camera, the projection guy. She said, not up close anyway, but she said she has seen him before. Like if she's down in the auditorium area, uh-huh. She can see somebody walking back and forth behind the camera in the projection room back there, but oh. she she can't make out. Yeah, but she's seen that, so she knows that has to be him. So let's talk a little bit more about the children. They've got a couple of stuffed animals that they keep in there: so mm-hmm. a little stuffed dog and a little stuffed bear. And these animals keep changing seats. Like they'll come in one day and they're in these seats, and then the, the, they'll come back later in the day, and mm-hmm. the stuffed animals are on different seats than what they were on earlier in the mm-hmm. day. So they assume, obviously, that these are the kids doing this. Larry Montz, Dr. Larry Montz, is also a professional photographer, and he decided that he wanted to try to take some pictures of the animals to see if anything came up. So he took a pic- some pictures of the stuffed bear, and he said there was this really bright yellow light that appeared appeared right in front of the bear. He said being a professional photographer and very picky about things, scrutinizing every photo, he checked everything that could have possibly happened to the film, and there was nothing that could have possibly made that yellow light show in front of that bear. So maybe it was a little girl in a yellow dress. I don't know. But it was obviously... You know, or at least according to him, I can't say obviously, but according to him, he, he thinks it's definitely some type of a spirit. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next theater. You've probably heard of this one. The Grauman Chinese Theater. Yes. The theater opened on May 18th, 1927. It's now known as the TCL Chinese Theater. Which, I hate that. Look, it was the Grauman Theater. I understand other people have bought it and stuff like that, but something that's got that kind of history, don't change the name. No, I agree. They should just leave it alone. So anyway, it was built back in, in 1927, and they did it in the Oriental style because Americans at the time were fascinated with pretty much anything Oriental. Mm-hmm. So they tried to do that. Sid Grauman is actually the one who built it. He had also built a million-dollar theater in L.A., which is actually just a few blocks up. And he did that one in a completely Egyptian theme, which is funny because nobody ever, you'd never hear about that one. Uh-uh, that's funny. All that stuff actually, is cool, though. And he did that one first. He did that one before he did the Chinese theater. So, anyways. Oh. So, there's two ghosts associated with Grauman's theater. And you know how, I, this is just a little tidbit I thought I'd throw in there. You know how it's famous there at the theater for celebrities to put their handprints and their mm-hmm. footprints outside the theater. Do you know how that custom got started no well the story goes that actress norman Ta- norma thalmage was walking out of the theater she was not aware that there was wet cement and she accidentally stepped in it and it left her shoe imprint and then it became tradition after that oh funny. that's the story that goes into it anyway well that's pretty cool look what she started well did you also know that that sidewalk is haunted no how about that a haunted sidewalk <laughs> I did not. <laughs> On March 11, 1979, actor Victor Killian, he was known for a bunch of movies in the 30s and the 40s. And then uh, as he got older, he had a bunch of bit parts in things. Uh, do you remember Mary Hartman? Oh, yeah. Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. <laughs> he was on Mary Hartman. He was actually the grandpa. And uh, some people on there known him as the Fernwood Flasher because that's kind of what he would do on the show. He would flash people and stuff. But he was, <laughs> you know, that was back in the 70s, and this was right around the time that he died, not too far before then. 
But anyway, there was a bar close to the theater. And he came out of the bar. He'd been drinking. He meets this guy. And they start talking. And somehow or another, they ended up deciding to go back to Victor Killian's apartment, which was only like a block away from the theater, Grandma's theater. The next day, Killian's body was found. He was dead, badly beaten. Oh, no. And he had been burglarized. So whoever this guy was, and there were people who'd seen this man on the streets. Right. Okay, so they saw some people had seen him talking and stuff like that. So that's how they know even that that's who it was, he met or? somebody and they walked up there. Because otherwise, how would you even know that Yeah. You know, some guy went to his house? But anyways, Victor is said to travel that little strip from his house. To the theater. To the theater and the bar that he was at, which is right past the theater. He said to walk back and forth. Oh, man. Supposedly trying to find his killer. And his killer never was found. <gasps> he was never arrested. Stop! Yeah, so people know, basically, that there was a guy that went up there. They gave descriptions, but it was never identified, and he was never caught. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So, And the other ghost that's here, I don't have really any information on, but it's supposed to be a little girl named Annabelle. She likes to hang out backstage at Grauman's Theater, and she likes to tug on the curtains, and... She likes to appear in front of some uh, employees that are visibly shaken when she just shows up out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you some names. Tell me if you know who they are. Okay. This is an easy one. If you blow this one, I'm I'm just going to blame you for not doing your work as okay. a human. That might be a stretch. Oh, my God. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> Jack Warner, Sam Warner, Harry Warner, and Albert Warner. Who are those guys? The brothers. Yeah? The Warner brothers. Absolutely. I was wondering if you are going to make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Warner brothers. And they had their own theater. It was called the Warner Pacific Theater. Now, we're going to go through the late 1920s. Warner brothers weren't having very much luck. They just had a string of movies that were all flops. Okay? And they decided that they were going to take a very big chance. All the brothers put everything they had into one movie that they were going to make and building this theater for the premiere of the movie. That was the goal. So they're putting everything and everything on all four of the brothers' livelihoods hinge on this movie and this theater. So you would think it's got to be a pretty special movie, wouldn't you? Yeah. The movie was The Jazz Singer with Al Jolson. Oh, Yeah. Tracy, do you know what the significance of this movie was and why it was such a big deal? I have no idea. I'm just going to be honest. Okay. That was the first movie that was a talking picture. <gasps> Everything up to this point had been silent films. Oh, my gosh. Now look at them. You go, Warner Brothers. <laughs> All right. So the theater had had this great sound system. They wanted to, you know... Now, I could be wrong on this, but I mean, the silent movies, they had music playing they, in the background, they, right? They so there did, because good Lord, what is the point? Yeah, so they had Sorry. music playing in the background. With those some ACDC up in there. <laughs> yeah, that would be, you know, we should do that. We should find an old, we should find an old silent movie and take the music out and put like ACDC and some Thunderstruck or something okay, in the background. Yeah. Anyway, so they wanted to have this fantastic sound system in their studio so when they unveiled this movie that, you know, the talking and all that would be great. The theater was supposed to be completed before filming wrapped up. That way it would be no problem having the premiere at their theater. That would make sense. Their movie. Yeah, of course. Their theater. That's what they wanted. So Sam Warner was there. And like I said, he was in charge of the sound system himself. He wanted to completely take that on. It was going to be this, by the way, is the theater was going to be the biggest in Hollywood. Whoa. So not only was it going to have a great sound system, but it was also going to be the biggest. Dude, they just they are going for it. So Sam Warner, like I said, he's there. He's overseeing this. He was concerned, obviously, because not only was there a lot riding on this, but now there were starting to be rumors all around Hollywood that, you know what, um, 
these talking pictures were going to be a fad. Nobody really knew if that's what the public wanted. They oh my gosh, that is hilarious. So yeah, he was he was concerned because I mean, how in the world would they think that would be a problem? I mean, I guess just because it was something new, and I mean, it was just like anything else in theory. You think, well, I mean, why wouldn't people like this? This would just is a no brainer. But if it's different, I mean, I'm, there's been other things in the past that people thought, hey, this would be great, and then it just didn't work for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, I, but look at, I mean, it's because of them, because of the things that are happening today. Well, sure. Look at all these actors and actresses we would never have known of. No, I agree. So, obviously, that would be a concern considering that they risked everything on this venture. So, even though you think you know, oh, it's just going to be a no-brainer, when you start hearing people talk about it, it can't help but have a little doubt creep in your mind. So, there were also these constant construction delays that kept popping up. And it was starting to become more and more apparent that they were not going to be finished with this theater in time to debut the movie. Whether it's fact or just legend, some of the construction workers said that they saw Sam Warner throw a big fit in the hotel lobby once he realized that it was not going to be done in time. And he supposedly cursed the theater and maybe that brought on some unnecessary hauntings in the future. But I don't understand why you would curse your own theater. Well, and I don't know that it was like a, a like a religious type curse or you know a voodoo type curse no, or like, anything like damn that. You theater. Yeah, it's probably something along that, that mm-hmm. lines. But anyway, so the jazz singer premiered in New York on October 6, nineteen twenty seven. It was a huge success. None of the Warner Brothers attended, though. What? Well, that's because less than twenty four hours before the debut. Sam Warner died <gasps> of a hemorrhage in L.A. And the brothers were who were in New York, the other three brothers, rushed to L.A. You're kidding. To take care of whatever needed to be, you know, they dealt with that situation. Oh, that's terrible. Needless to say, like I said, the movie was a hit and talking pictures pretty much are here to stay. And, you know... The Warner Pacific Theater, though, didn't open up for another six months. And then they placed a plaque in the lobby commemorating Sam, Mm -hmm. as they should. Sam's ghost has often been seen in the theater and upstairs in the administration offices. He's often seen in the lobby pacing back and forth looking frustrated about something, (laughs) even in death. So one night there was a cleaning crew working, and two of the, the men that were on the cleaning crew... They saw someone that they said looked like Sam, according to his pictures. And he got to the elevator. He pushed the button. The doors opened. He got on. And then the elevator went up. When the security guard that was on duty came around making his his rounds, the two men from the cleaning crew told him what happened. And then they quit on the spot and left. (laughs) And (laughs) you could imagine... That they were probably freaked out. Now, the security guard wasn't quite as freaked out. As a matter of fact, all he said to the men was, well, I mean, why does a ghost need to use the elevator? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny when you think about it. That is funny, yeah. So Sam isn't seen too much these days, but he is heard by the security that's in place now. They say that they'll often hear chairs moving around and a loud tapping on a desk, as mm-hmm. if someone's trying to get their attention, mm-hmm. or scratches on a door. And they'll hear this on their audio that from upstairs and stuff, and on the video surveillance. It's probably a rat. Probably. So the elevator used to operate all by itself on a regular basis until 1994, and that's when L.A. had the Northridge earthquake, and it damaged the elevator, and it's not been in use since. But before then, it used to go up and down all on its own on a regular basis. They haven't fixed an elevator since 1994? They might have installed a whole brand new one. I don't know. Oh. You know, that is... That's kind of a heartbreaking story, really. It that is. he died before he, he could see what... He didn't get to see any empire that he's built. Man. And then the brothers really didn't get to enjoy it either because they were devastated from him passing away, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Man. Well, thank you, Mr. Warner. Last but not least, the Pantages Theater. 
It's an absolutely beautiful place. It was actually one of the last ones built in the Art Deco style. And when I say that, think of, for you, think of the Palace Theater. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. With, with everything ornamental. And, oh, my God. This place is it, gorgeous. It's, it's, it's an, just like an art gallery mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And that's the way this place was built. Now, back in the 1940s, Howard Hughes bought the place, and he made it part of his theater chain that he had. Wait, didn't we see something on him last Oh. <laughs> Stop. I'll yeah, laugh. That would, be called, that would be called research. So, yes, <laughs> we did see something on him. Just a... <laughs> You finally got a small sneak peek of what some of the show was going to be about. <laughs> and I bet you don't remember a single bit of it other than we saw something on Howard Hughes, did you? I just saw his face. <laughs> I don't really remember anything else. Oh, my gosh. That's so dumb. Anyways, Howard Hughes, ever, if you know anything about Howard Hughes, some of the younger people won't, but Howard Hughes was an eccentric man. He was a billionaire. He was a, a pilot. You know, like his own, he flew his own little planes, private planes and stuff like that. He owned all these different theaters. And he was really just like, he was a Bill Gates of his time. Mm-hmm. But as he got a little bit older, he just became a recluse. And he got to where he he didn't talk to anybody and he stayed. And then when he died, it was kind of a mysterious death. And so just, you know, just kind of weird. But anyways, we were, we're not really doing this show on Howard Hughes. <laughs> Other than the fact that he did that. But Howard loved Hollywood, okay? And whenever he was in Hollywood, he would spend his time in his office that he had built up in Pantages Studio. He built two offices up there, one for him, which was huge, and he built one for uh, Alexander Pantages, who built the theater, and his sons. So they shared an office. Mm -hmm. So in the 1950s, Howard sold... The theater and all of his stock that he had in RKO, which was also a group uh, of theaters. So that was the theaters he owned. So he got rid of all of his theaters in the 50s. Within 10 years of that time is when he started becoming a recluse. So he went from owning all these theaters and, and being Mr. Party Guy and always out in the socials to just bam. I wonder what the heck. Well, most people assume that it was some type of mental issues that he just... Mm-hmm. Something happened, but he came. He became mentally ill, is what most people assume, and he just started keeping to himself. In 1967, Pacific Theater bought the theater and completely renovated it to what it was back in the day. As far as hauntings, employees have felt and experienced some very odd events there, and especially up on the second floor in the conference room, which is what used to be Howard Hughes's office. Oh. The temperature in there is always cooler than the rest of the place, even though it's upstairs, even though it's in California, and even when there's no air conditioner on, it's cooler in that room than it is some of the rooms that have air conditioners on. Nice. Employees will feel gusts of wind in that room, even when there's no air conditioning. The desk drawers, uh, you know how like desk drawers will have little brass handles on mm-hmm. them and you can kind of clink them back and forth? Mm-hmm. They'll hear that noise coming out of the offices, the conference room up there. So he's just up there chilling and working, so, I guess, or something. Howard's apparition has been seen upstairs on several occasions, usually wearing modest business clothes. He's usually seen where the door to his offices used to be. And I say that because this is where there is an executive suite now, is where his door used to be. So that didn't used to be there, but he's still hanging out there because that's how he got into his office back in the day. There's also a singing woman. This is odd, though. This goes back to 1932. There's a woman who died here in the mezzanine during a movie. Now, if you're in the place and all the lights are off, it's really quiet. You can hear a woman singing. Sometimes it happens in the daytime. Sometimes it happens at night. The only requirement is to have the lights off and have the... Movie going? Have it quiet. No, it's only when it's quiet. Oh, just when it's quiet. Yeah. One time, though, she was caught on microphone during a sound check that was going to be happening for a live performance later that night. (laughs) So it kind of echoed through ever. This is a cool story. It said about five years ago, uh, there was a woman who was a member of the wardrobe department. And she was, you know, done. And she was leaving. All the lights suddenly shut off. The emergency lights and everything. They just shut off while she was in there. Completely black. She got really nervous 
and she started to panic a little bit. So she started just kind of walking around and not being able to see where she was. She got kind of got lost. She said there was a firm hand grabbed her elbow and took her all the way to the door. When the door opened and she got a little bit of light, she turned to thank the person who helped her and there was absolutely nobody there. Oh my gosh. Hell no. Ooh. And that's what I got on Haunted Hollywood. Very cool stories. I like those. I thought it was kind of cool. Tracy, would you like to um, do the honors of our iTunes and stuff? And we'll have a little quick, um, after the iTunes and the Patreon supporters, we will have a quick little recap on live events. Okay. Our reviews come from Show Me Scares Podcast. Listen to that. You guys will love that. That's Shayla's podcast, Shayla and Terry, and they're in Missouri. She's going to be a, uh, she was just a guest, um, I think last week on the Paranormal Encounters, mm-hmm. and you got to hear some of her stories, but that's who that is. Go listen to her, you'll love her. Thank you for your review, honey. D. Barker, Atlanta, and A. Kessel, oh, A. Kessel, <laughs> you know what, this kind of might be a play on words. I don't know. A. <laughs> Kess 12. Okay. I hope. And I'm sorry if I messed that up, sweetheart. Our Patreons was Joshua Salzman and Stacy Lucan. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Luke Conan. L U U K K O N E N. So. Love you, girl. (laughs) We thank you guys for your support, as always, and for your lovely, lovely iTunes reviews. That makes my happiness every day. So I hope you guys can keep on keeping on with that. That'd be awesome. And what else you got, Jerry Bear? Well, I just wanted to, real quick, obviously we've had to cancel the Louisville show. If If you've got tickets that you bought, I sent out an email giving you some options. And some of you haven't responded yet. So check your email or get in touch with me. And, uh, and because we're, we're going to refund that, all that money back for tickets if somebody wants it and, um, or you can just leave it and put it for a future event. We're going to try to reschedule Louisville later in the year when all this stuff's, but I'm not even going to look at dates until we know what's going on in the future. But if all this stuff clears up in the next couple of months, we're going to try to reschedule Louisville a little later in the year. Yeah. But we'll definitely. make sure there's two or three month notice mm-hmm. so people know. Uh, Indianapolis. I'll wait till next week, but I think Indianapolis is is for sure canceled. Um, I, I won't make an official statement till next week, but I, I would say if you've got tickets to that one, be looking for a refund on that one too. And then we'll see what happens for June. We've got Chicago in June. No, hopefully we can get out and have our shows and meet you guys. And I know you guys are more than probably happy just to get out of the house and go do things anyway. So... We just want you guys to stay safe, six foot apart, <laughs> virtual high fives and hugs, and we love you guys so much. And thank you for hanging in with us because it's really keeping us sane as well, and we are glad to do this for you all. Yep, absolutely. We were invited back to CryptidCon this year, and they're moving the dates to August. We'll mm-hmm. see. Once again, we'll see what happens. But it's like the second week of August this year instead of September. Yeah. So it's a yeah. full month in advance. So, but we've been, they've been nice enough to invite us back out there. We appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Very, very cool. So Thanks. we love you guys and we hope you have a blessed week. And remember to tune into the live show tonight at seven o'clock. <laughs>